So welcome back to the Antisocial Book Club. We are coming at you from two different locations today. Kelsey and I are distanced, but using the powers of the internet to bring you this amazing episode. Kelsey is in her own little personal book nook, and I love it. And in my closet. Yes. And I'm unfortunately just chilling. (laughs) Not in the book nook because all this fancy new equipment that we got. Hopefully we sound better too. Um, but anyway, yeah, we're excited to be back and we are super excited about this episode, guys. Um, we have a, a special really special treat. treat. Yes. Yeah, a special treat um, that we can't wait to share with you later on. So before we get started, uh, we're just going to just warm up this episode with some fun would you rather's? Yes, and these are book related. I love the best. Related. Yes. Okay. I feel like this first one is going to be controversial because I think we might have different opinions. Okay. Um, Would you rather only be allowed to read new releases or only be allowed to read classics? This one is really hard for me. Because yeah, I know it would be. I have really gotten into reading classics. Like I feel like I should have read in high school. And I don't know. There's just something powerful saying, oh, I've read, I've read this classical book. It but does then feel. you also have on the other hand these new releases that everyone's raving about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does but, feel superior to be like, actually, I've read all those like classics my yeah. people books so, but then I also want to read like the new Reese Club book I know <laughs> like her new book that just came out for the month of December the chicken sisters where they make their own like chicken recipes I am dying to read that it makes me feel like with the fire on high hopefully it's something kind of close mm-hmm. to that because I really enjoyed um that book because usually like culinary things. I just like to watch Chopped on TV like we've kind of talked about in the past, but I really enjoyed with the Viron High. So I think um the Chicken Sisters would be something. And but anyway, back to the question. Even though I just said that, I think I would stick with classics. What about you, Kelsey? You said you would stick with classics? Yeah, I would stick with classics. I'm picking new releases. New releases. Yeah. The old and the like new I like classics maybe I haven't found the right classics yet but I don't feel mm-hmm. like they engage me as much as like a new book <sighs> which maybe I'm just not smart enough to really get into classics not true but like all the page turners that I'm like oh I have to read another book like they're always new they're never they're never classics <sighs> There's just so much gold in these classics. Like, I'm trying to think. I just read The Phantom of the Opera for the first time. Like, not the movie. Like, I didn't know it was a book. So my friend told me about it. And so I just, like, read that. I'm like, wow. Yes, there's a lot of, like, jargon in here. But it's really good. So, anyway. I love how we have that perspective, though. I'm more old. (laughs) You're in with the new. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm not as sophisticated. Oh, 
That's that's not true. I just only like sit in my bathtub and drink tea while I That sounds so sophisticated. Rebecca has done that in my life. (laughs) Unfortunately, I've done that on multiple occasions. (laughs) That's why you're more sophisticated. (laughs) Okay. Next one. Would you rather not be able to buy any new books until you've finished all the ones on your shelf or never be allowed to read any of the books you currently own? Here is a big issue for me. Same. I am a bookshop junkie. I love a good book sale. I love going to the local bookstore. I love going to the friends of the library sale. And currently, I have like 20 books that are like backlisted. But I also have all my holds that are coming through on the library. Yeah. Yes. So. Honestly, I don't know. Really create a problem. Because you're like, okay, I finally, like, I finished. I have, like, a week. I can read one of these books I already have. And then all your holds start coming in. Exactly. And, like, now you can delay them. But that's just... Ugh. And I don't know about you, but I really got burnt out on all my holds. Like, especially during quarantine. It was cool at first. But then after a while, when you have so many holds, it's like, yeah. I have to finish this one really fast so I can get to the other one. And... Yeah. I kind of got burnt out. So I feel like I'm kind of on a whole detox right now. Yeah. I'm way slowed down. On yeah. Plan. Yeah. I've like, been trying to catch up on my pile. Yeah. It gets to I get to be honestly. Mm-hmm. It's a great resource. Again, it if really you don't is. have a library card, you're missing out on the you're wealth. You're missing out on life. For sure. Mm. And the Love Libby the app. I tell everybody that I meet about the Libby app. Yes. Thanksgiving, I told my little cousin about it. I, <laughs> I love that. About it. I'm like, well, oh. you, if anybody even mentions that they've read a book in the past like two years, I'm like, well, have you seen the Libby app? Do you have a library card? I people need to know. Over quarantine, they were like, I think Libby was like doing like donations and raising money, and you could buy T-shirts. And I almost bought a t-shirt and it has the little Libby figure on it and it has all the different colors of all the different people. And I love how she like looks up from her book. Yes. She's so so cute. By the way, this is not an ad whatsoever. No, it's not. (laughs) Hashtag not an ad. Get the Libby app. It's really worth it. So for this one, I think I'm because there's kind of a loophole here if you actually read yeah. it. Because one, you just have to finish all the books, then you can get new ones. Versus the other one, you can never read your old books. So I'm gonna go with I have to finish all my other ones because then I can also read my old ones, new ones. and get yeah. new ones. I just have to read all them first. Yeah. So I feel like that's, that's kind of a loophole. It is. I just had the problem where I get distra- distracted. I'm like, oh, look over here. This new one over here. Oh, but about this one right here. Yeah. <sighs> I do think this maybe for us, this should be like you can't put anything on hold. You mm-hmm. can't get any, you can't lose, use the Libby app until you've read all of the ones that you currently own. Yes. I think that would make this more applicable. Because honestly, I don't really buy books. I just get them, well, unless we go to, like, the book sale, they get them, like, a dollar. 
that's when I buy books, but I don't really, I never, I don't think I've paid full price for a book. Well, I paid for Sorrow full mm-hmm. price. And, no and spoiler alert, that is the book we're talking about today, which we yes. are like super excited about. Sorrow by so Tiffany DeBartello. Man, guys, you're in for a treat. So good. So what is your answer? I think I have to go with the loophole thing because I do need to finish these because I've got some like gems on the shelf that I've never read. Like, and again, they're classics like the bell jar. I've been wanting to read that. Mm -hmm. Um, I just bought this classics. I'm really into history guys. You know that. And I have this book called the worst hard time, which is like Mm. people's diaries from the dust bowl. I'm really interested in reading. And then I've really been wanting to read a man called Uve. Is that how you say his name? I think it's Ove. Ove? Ove? Uve? I liked that book. Yeah. Because I want to read the new one. (sighs) It was an intense book. Really? Okay. Yes. Definitely not a light read. Good to know. Okay. So you would go with read all the ones you have now? (sighs) I need to. Yes. Same. I think it would make me, yeah. Next one. Would you only would you rather only be allowed to mark your place by dog airing the pages, so folding them down, or have to make a small mark on the corner of every page you read with pen? For me, the lesser evil is dog marking because the pen is so permanent. Like I typically don't highlight anything unless it's like some kind of education. Like I haven't done that since college, like highlighting stuff, but like a book that I plan on keeping in my library, I can't do it. Most of my bookmarks are receipts. What about you? Kelsey? Like whatever I have handy. Yeah. And then I get really emotionally attached to those receipts for absolutely no reason. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do this away. My book yeah um these both are just so horrible they are i just feel like dog earring to me i feel like dog earring is more permanent because really even if we look at it from like the side you can tell that it's been dog eared versus a pen you can't tell that from if you look around the book which you know like no one else probably cares about mm-hmm. <laughs> except for me can I make a confession really quick? Yeah. I dog-eared sorrow. I dog-eared sorrow because I found some great points. There wasn't a wasn't a sticky note handy, and I oh, dog-eared no. it. You know what? I, I usually read on my Kindle, mm-hmm. and I do highlight on my Kindle. Oh, I do do that too. So that's another like loophole. Loophole. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I would pick to mark it in, with pen and I'm going to make like a really small mark uh, it just crushes my soul either way yeah they both like, are horrifying yeah I can't uh, yeah you're right probably marking it is probably a lot better than the dog ear it's Poor like sorrow. I know Back to Gilmore Girls talk. I know that you are like a Jess person, right? Yes, totally. Jess like ruined Rory's book, and he put all of his stupid thoughts in there. 
It's like okay, just, I would piss all, me off. Who are you to think that like your thoughts belong in someone else's book? Yeah, be different. it'd be different if it was like a gift from him. And if he was like, I wrote this and I was thinking about you and I put these notes in it, like, okay, I still don't love it, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. That was like her actual book. Yeah, that would make me really I upset. Would, I would immediately never talk to that person again. There would be I some hard if they judgment. look like Milo Ventimiglia. I would never talk to them again. No way. No way. Actually forgot about no that way. part. And that makes me a little upset. But still, right? Team Jess... In his more finer days. Yeah. Anyway. Ugh, we'll have to agree to disagree. <sighs> who are you again? Please don't I'm... say Dean. No, nobody. Who is Team Dean? <laughs> if you don't are listening to this and you're Team Dean. We want to know why. <laughs> message us. Let us know what you see in Dean because there's nothing there. Nothing. I'm genuinely curious. Like, ugh, no make better decisions i'm team honestly like i don't know honestly i think if we're including the revival jess becomes too good for rory Mm -hmm. honestly Mm -hmm. but i think logan and rory are better suited for each other i do like logan and rory together but i'm just jess i'm team logan I guess I think more just for myself. I just delete Rory and just insert myself yeah. there. So just kidding, yeah. Jamal. I love you with all my heart. But back in the day, I had a crush on Jess. I mean, that was who, I mean who doesn't, honestly? <laughs> He's definitely the most attractive. We can all agree on that. Yeah. Ugh. Anywho, <laughs> back to Would You Rather. The last one. Always thinking about it. Would you rather build Bell's library from Beating the Beast in your home or restore the library of Alexandria? For selfish reasons, re- reasons I would say Bell's library Same. because I dream, like I even told Jamal, like if we're ever to build like our own home, like a library is non-negotiable. Like I need a library and yeah. I want the I want the fun ladder that goes around it. I was just going to say, if I'm a library, it has to have the ladder with wheels that you can use to get to the top shelves. Yes. Yes. Like that's, Um, absolutely. I have to have that if I'm going to have a library. But looking at it culturally, the library of Alexandria probably contained a lot of knowledge that was lost. Yeah. That's why you're a teacher and I'm not. Because I'm like, you know what? We're doing fine without that knowledge. We've all been done. So I'm going to take Bell's library. <laughs> and I could, you know, invite people over and they could just, you know, I could loan out my books to like the neighborhood. Yeah. So I wouldn't keep it for just myself. Uh, yeah. But if anybody dog-eared and marked on the pages, they could never get another book again. They're cut out. I was kind of just thinking about this today as I was driving home because... Uh, where I grew up, I didn't have access to a library because I lived in such a rural area. And so now, like, I've been loaning um, a lot of my books to people back home um, for them to read and enjoy because they just don't have access to that kind of stuff. I was like, you know what? It'd just be so cool to make, like, my own little library out there. You know, like the free little libraries? Yes. 
I need to find a good spot for that. Maybe so. Thank that you. Up. You can put it on the road. Put it on the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. Yes. <laughs> There's a library. That'd that be really cool. Can you imagine driving by and seeing that? I mean, that's like yeah. the cutest thing in the entire world. It would be the cutest thing in the entire world. And I think I'm going to make it my mission now to see that happen. Yes. So, anyway. Well, that's our book-related would-you-rathers. Let us know what you guys think. Are we totally wrong? Especially totally about, disagree with us? Yeah, all of these things. These are big button issues right here in the yes. book world. And we need to know what your yeah. thoughts are. Are our opinions totally incorrect? Tell us. <laughs> we want to. Okay. dun to da da It's time to talk about Sorrow. Yes. By Tiffany DiBartello. And Tiffany DiBartello, I got this all off her website. Um, she grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, where she insists there was nothing to do but read and listen to music. It is no surprise then that after graduating high school a year early to study philosophy at UC Berkeley, she became a writer and founded a recording label. She is the founder and chief executive of Super Goddess of Bright and Tanner Records, whose roster includes the Wombats, Sports Team, Wilderado, who is from Oklahoma, and prep. She also co-founded the Shine Maker Foundation, a charity organization de- dedicated to making the world a better place. And she is a faculty member of the Jackson Hole Writers Conference, where she teaches writing every June. So in her spare time, she is a runner, hiker, yogi, world traveler, cook, feminist, poet, and artist. Tiffany lives in Mill Valley, California, with her husband and her Irish wolfhound. So that came straight from her website. Um, And just reading this about Tiffany and then reading the book, you can just kind of see her personality come out in this book, Um, especially when we're talking about art, her love of music, um, all these big things, even cooking. Um, hiking they play such important roles and so i'm really excited to talk about this book with you guys yes and this episode is different because we're not doing a regular episode martina actually got to talk to the authors that's going to be the second half of this episode is actually talking to the real author and getting her to answer our questions guys it was like the coolest 30 minutes of my life not lying. Tiffany DiBartello is seriously like the, one of the coolest people I've ever just sat down and talked to. She's just so down to earth. Um, she had really cool insight into her book and I'm just really excited to share it with you guys. It's, it's really good. The book's really good. I sound like a broken record <laughs> You need to read it. Yes, it was very good. I'm going to read a quick description of okay. the book. And this is Sorrow. Sorrow, the book. Joe Harper has backpedaled throughout his life. A once promising guitar prodigy, he's been living without direction since abandoning his musical dreams. Now into his 30s, having retreated from every opportunity he's he's had to level up, he has lost his family, his best friend, and his own self-respect. But Joe finds an unlikely path to redemption 
when he starts working as a carpenter for the bohemian conceptual artist October Danko. The job returns him to his hometown loaded with bittersweet reminders of his formal life. In the shadows of his beloved redwood trees, as Joe's relationship with October develops, he yearns to take a daring step toward a bold future, but struggles to escape the craven decisions of his past. Such a good book. And I don't know about you, Kelsey, but I say this every time, but I seriously think this was one of my favorite reads that we've done so far on the show um, and just reading in general for this year. It was it was so good. And I think it makes definitely the top 10 list of my favorite books. Mine too, definitely. And we're not just saying this because we actually talked to the, to the author. Yeah. Like yeah. this really was just like a really good book. It was. And we are excited to introduce it to you. Um, uh, the book came out in October. And so it is a pretty new release. Um, Tiffany, she's also written several other books. Um, God Shaped Hole. She's written um, a book called How to Kill a Rock Star. Um, and so this is her third novel. And it's it's so good. It was really um, good. It's so good. You get her musical side in it. You get the art. Like I would kind of mentioned before, like I love reading about art and it's so prevalent in this book. And I think it's just such a deep book. Wouldn't you say Kelsey? Definitely. And I feel like it's, it is like a very deep book, but it never feels like heavy handed. Like it's trying to be a deep book. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, cause some books you read it and you're like, okay, like this author clearly thinks like they mm -hmm. have like this important message and like their book is like the changing of society. But this mm -hmm. book, it was just, I feel like it had like, a very good and important message. And like, it got the point across without being like heavy handed, without kind of slapping you in the face with like deep thoughts. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, oh, just so good. And oh, she's like, so good. It really was. And I feel like what you're saying about like the art, I feel mm -hmm. like that's what kind of helped her get the messages across without mm -hmm. kind of like having to like punch you in the face with like, this is so deep. I love that. And I totally get that. And I, and I think most of the books that I read are like from a woman's perspective, mm -hmm. which like I really like, don't get me wrong. But it was interesting to read a book from like a male perspective. I think she did a really beautiful job of capturing that, especially um, for being a female writer. Me too. And I like really related to Joe. I did too. I mean, um, he had so many deep struggles. Um, and I really related. He he liked to be alone. He liked to be walking out in the woods. Yes. And social and same with the trees. So totally got that. Um, and I just love the message that Joe's character had throughout the book and like how the choices we make, um, definitely take us down the path that we live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it sounds cheesy, but I feel like it was a good message of like, we only have so much time. So mm -hmm. don't like waste your time, like being afraid to do things. Mm -hmm. Like it sounds really cheesy when I say it. But like in the book, it's much better. Like it makes out. Sense. like <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for you. Yeah, like, I want you guys to read it because it's so good. 
Exactly. Like we want you to read it. We then want you to come back and listen to the author interview because like we said, we don't want to spoil just your own personal take on things because there's a lot of art in it. Um, there's a lot of meaning in it. Um, a lot of music, a lot of cool stuff like that. And I don't know about you, Kelsey, but I am dying to go to California now. Never been. I want to see the redwoods. I want to see San Francisco and do a lot of art things, artsy things. Yeah, it makes me want to be more into art. Exactly. Uh, Kelsey and I were talking about after we read it, how we just really wanted to go to an art museum after. And I still do. Um, I'm just kind of waiting for a moment when COVID to be a little bit better to go. Yes. One day we'll get back out there. One day world. Hope is on the horizon. Yes. Yes. I think that was another part about this book that I liked was that right now we can't really go anywhere. In this mm-hmm. book, like the settings, like mm-hmm. different parts of nature were definitely like you felt like you were there. And I really liked that. I love that. I I kind of felt that I felt that as well. Like I'd never had this experience with the Redwood Redwoods seeing them, but you get the character's perspective on, you know, just the nature around them, like you were saying, and how it makes them feel. Um, and just their relaxing way of going out and being expressing themselves through art um stuff like that yeah so i would definitely recommend and i'm excited that you got to talk to her yes like i said guys tiffany de bartello what a gem Um, i had so much fun recording um our interview with tiffany as i said she's just so down to earth and just so fun to talk to um we had a great conversation and the time just flew by and we won't, don't want to go into too many things because the interview is going to say, say it all, um, and get all the questions that you, we had about the book out there. So go ahead and stay tuned. And here is our interview with Tiffany D. Bartello. Okay, there we go. Okay, well, like I was saying, welcome to the Antisocial Book Club. Uh, We're so excited to have you. Kelsey and I absolutely loved your book, Sorrow, and we are so excited um, to talk about it. We came up with some questions together, um, so we're really excited to hear what you have to say. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and to talk to you, and thank you for reading yes. the book and for Absolutely. letting these characters into your heart. Yes, we, as I said, we loved it so much. Um, I also read your book, God Shaped Hole, and I will just let you know before we got started, I rarely cry. <laughs> Um, during movies or books and wow. I can count like on my hand how many times but God shaped hole got me yes. <laughs> and I was <laughs> bawling why does it make me so happy when people tell them I made them cry <laughs> <laughs> it was so good I I love I really do enjoy your work and I'm I'm really excited to talk about sorrow with you oh thank you so um, we'll go ahead and get started so our first question was where did you get the inspiration for Joe and his story? Well, you know, the story, uh, the idea for the book itself came to me 
I was on a hike one day and I was listening to Mm -hmm. one of my favorite albums and Mm -hmm. a song that I had heard hundreds of times came on. I'd heard it hundreds of times before, but this particular day, um, there was a line in it that conjured up this whole scene. It's a song called Pink Rabbits by a band called The National. And, um, And there's a line in the song where he says, Somebody said you disappeared in a crowd. I didn't understand then. I don't understand now. And something about that just like crushed yeah. me. And in I, I conjured up this scene where these two lovers were um, at a concert and they're at this outdoor venue and they're watching the show and one of them walks away and doesn't come back. And that, um, was actually the first scene that I ended up writing for the book. And as you know, it comes much later in the book, but, um, yes. but that was where the story actually started. Oh, I, I love that. I know that you are so inspired by music and I think, you do such a wonderful job bringing that into your story. So I love that's how you came up with your inspiration for Joe. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, so much, um, so much um, influenced who he became. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's another interesting story is when I was just in the early days of writing the book and I was still trying to figure out who he was and um, what really made him tick. And mm-hmm. I ran into a friend of mine. I was working at Equator Coffee one day, much like uh, uh-huh. the characters do. I hang out. And I used to hang out in there a lot when we could hang out in coffee shops. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was working on the book, and it was really early days. And a friend of mine came in and started raving about this book that he'd just finished. Um, and it was a book about um, the redwood trees of Northern California. And he just made it sound so fascinating and exciting that I, I ordered it that day. Mm-hmm. And when I started reading it a couple of days later, so much of it just connected to Joe in all these crazy ways where mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my God, he loves these trees. And yeah. like, there's so much a part of his childhood. And the minute that I tapped into that aspect of his personality, his whole mm-hmm. character just blossomed. And I mm-hmm. understood him in a way that I hadn't understood him yet. I love that because that was my next question was, um, Joe has such a connection to nature, especially trees and redwoods. Um, and do you feel like Joe finds it easier to rely on nature than to share and to speak with people? I think he definitely did as a child. I think mm-hmm. in his childhood that the trees were, you know, besides his guitar, the trees were all he had until he met Cal. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like in a way I can relate to that because when I was a kid, I felt like music was that for me, where mm-hmm. um, like any time, if I was excited about something, if I was scared about something, if I was sad about something, like I could always find a song that would make me feel less alone. And um, and I feel like he did that with music too, but also with the trees, you know, like they became his friends and, um, and they guided him in a way. And if you've ever been to a redwood forest. No. You should definitely come come and visit and I will show you around. Yes. Um, because they they have this spiritual energy to them that really does mm-hmm. feel like um ancient wise men just, you know, uh there for your uh just there to help, you know? Yeah. 
um, Kelsey and I, we've talked, we're like so obsessed with Redwoods right now and we would, we want to go so bad. Where and are you located? Where do you live? We are in Oklahoma. Oh, wow. What part? We are um, in Oklahoma City. Oh, cool. I, I actually really like Oklahoma. I spent a couple oh, awesome. I spent some time in Tulsa a couple of years ago and I had a really good time there. Very cool. That's originally kind of that area is where I grew up is the Tulsa area. Oh, really? So I'm very connected to it. It's cool. Um, and I, and I love it. with a band um, called Wilderado that is from Tulsa and they're really, really oh, cool. Very awesome. I'll have to check them out. Check them I out. love, I love all the Oklahoma stuff. So <laughs> definitely check them out. Um, okay. So our next question was, how do you decide what to name your characters? Mm. You know, it's, that is one of the hardest decisions that I make when I'm writing a book because Mm. I believe that our names also really inform our characters. And so Mm -hmm. I often try on different names with characters until I really feel like, um, I've got the right one. And Joe's kind of came to me pretty quickly, um, I, I was just, you know, testing different names and, um, and as soon as I said his name, it really made sense to me. And I was like, yep, that's who he is. But October, I could not figure out her name for a really, really, really long time. Um, but again, it was the same thing. Like once I did, I really got a sense of who she was. And I will say too, that, um, her last name Danko is my maternal grandmother's um, maiden name. So, um, that was a little secret or not so secret anymore. Homage (laughs) to my mom and her, her side of the family. (laughs) Well, I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Cause that just brings in just even a more personal connection to this book. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, with the October, because I, that name, I have a friend who has a daughter named October and I've always loved the name so much. Um, but I also, I'm also a huge U2 fan. And so Mm. part of it also is that they have an album called October. (laughs) Well, I love that. That's awesome. We were obsessed with October's name as well, because it is so unique. It's something that you just don't hear for a person's name. And as you said, you know, you're, building kind of their characters with their name and you can definitely see it in October's name. Yeah. I and mean, so, if her name had been like Sally, I don't know if she would have yeah. a personality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so kind of moving on art is such an important part of the book and October and Joe's life. Does it play an important part in your life as well? Yes. Um, but I will throw a blanket on the word art to kind of encompass, um, not just, you know, paintings or drawings, Mm -hmm. um, but also music and, um, much like October, like I believe that everything we do in life could be art and ceremony. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, cooking a meal is art to me and, um, walking my dogs and what I put on every day, although not the sweatsuit that I have on here, <laughs> or maybe it is. Um, um, but you know, I just, I feel like there's a beauty in staying connected to everything that we do because, mm-hmm. um, it gives life meaning. And, you know, um, I think that's important and it's certainly important to me. Um, 
But beyond that, I also, I love going to museums and Mm -hmm. I love art. I love modern art. I love photography. So um, I really enjoyed sort of getting to explore that kind of stuff while I was writing the book um, Mm -hmm. because, yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like whenever I'm trying to decide what characters do for a living, I'm always like, well, what am I interested in? What do I want to know more about? Because, you know, I'm going to spend two to five years, um, delving into that. And, um, so that I love that. Fun. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, so speaking of that, we really were connected to, um, October's bird cage piece. Um, also we thought Joe's, um, light sculpture at the end was so deep. Um, is there anything that's specific that, um, inspired you on those pieces? You know, Not really. And this is like one of the things that feels so magical to me in Mm -hmm. writing stories. And I'm not, I don't plot books before I, before I start writing them. So everything is a discovery to me. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I honestly don't know where those ideas were coming from. And I would write things and like a couple days later, come back to it and kind of be like, where did I get that? Like, where did that come from? And I'd be so excited about them because, um, they're like, I've thought often about weird, um, sort of performance art pieces Mm -hmm. that would be really cool and fun to do, or even just general, more general art pieces. Um, but I, I've never actually done them because I have too many other jobs. So again, it yeah. was like this chance to live vicariously through her and like, oh, if I can't make this um, a reality in my life, I can kind of just do it through a character. Yes. Um, and we also really enjoyed um, one of her last pieces in the book where she's in the glass house, um, just with her feelings because that was such a big part of October's character is just her feelings in general. So just being able to grab hands with another person and just stare into them and, um, kind of feel all of that. Uh, we thought that was really beautiful as well. It's, you know, that's a really intense, um, experience to have. I don't know if you've ever Mm -hmm. done that with anyone. Um, you know, I, I, I will say like, I don't think you have to have October's gifts to get a lot out of an experience like that. I remember my husband and I did it once. Um, well we did it once and then we started doing it often because it's this in really beautiful way where you Mm. just connect to people. Um, and, you know, just looking into their eyes and holding their hands. And like, I remember the first time that my husband and I did that and we just set a timer for 10 minutes and we were just going to sit and hold each other's hands and stare into each other's eyes for 10 minutes. And both of us like halfway through just started crying. It was so, Mm -hmm. so deep and so cool. So I highly recommend that after dinner tonight, sit down with your husband (laughs) and stare at each other for a while. Jamal, get ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting. Like you actually, like you really can feel stuff that the other person, the energy of the other person and, um, and just, it makes you feel super close. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. I love that. Well, yeah. thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> You're that's really cool. You try it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so next, um, mentioning before I did read God Shaped Hole, um, and in God Shaped Hole, um, 
I always found the paintings in there to be interesting. So when Joe comes in for his interview into the studio, I think my jaw almost dropped to the floor when I noticed she's talking like those paintings are being described in her studio. Um, so is there a connection there? Well, okay. First of all, I just want to applaud you for noticing that because that is really, really cool. Um, And the connection is that the painting, there's a specific painting in God-Shaped Hole um, Mm -hmm. that they see in a restaurant when Jacob is, I think it's Jacob's birthday dinner. Um, Mm -hmm. And I believe that the painting says, um, brave men run in my family, but it's a a picture of an old um, boat. Mm-hmm. Um, like a vintage ship, but with this really modern um, text over it. And it used to be in a restaurant in Santa Monica. And every time I would go there, I would just be so in love with this painting. And mm-hmm. then I learned that it was by an artist named um, Ed Ruscha, who that's sort of his style. Like he'll take photographs and then he'll put these really cool texts over them. And um, I became a huge fan of his work. And then had this idea of wanting to do things where I got old paintings of ships and then wanted to write things over sort of in homage to him. Um, But of course I never got around to doing that. I started collecting the, like I I started going to like flea markets and collecting these old boat paintings, but I never got around to actually painting the words on them and making this um, some sort of art installation. So I was like, well, F it. I'm just going to let her do it. (laughs) Um, So It came full circle (laughs) 15 years in the making, but yeah, well, I, I love that. Um, I enjoy, it's weird, but I enjoy reading about art. And so noticing that in God shaped hole and then noticing that in, cause it sticks out. Yeah. And so noticing that I, I thought that that was awesome. That was amazing. So thank you for being so perceptive. (laughs) Um, okay. So, so one of Joe's struggles in the book is choosing between his best friend and someone he has a romantic connection with. Did the book always end with him being able to reconcile with both? Um, well, yes, in the sense that I never had any alternate endings, um, but I certainly didn't know how it was going to end um, as I was writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really didn't know what was going to happen until I got to the, the final scene in the book and I was like, oh, okay. And like, I remember I was actually sitting in Equator again that day when I was writing that scene and I just like sat there and started to cry. And I called my husband and I was like, I think I just finished. <laughs> I think I, I, think I, I just finished that. the book. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I was hoping that it would turn out a certain way, um, but I never manipulate um, the characters to do what I want them to do. God shaped hole is a perfect example of that. Um, where, you know, as I was writing certain scenes, I was like, please don't do that. Please don't do that. But they, you got to let it's, you know, like kids, you just got to send them out into the world and let them do what they're going to do. Um, you can't protect them. So, um, so yeah, uh, I don't even know. Did I answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, sort of. More, um. <laughs> no, that works. Um, as you said, you just want it to be natural, and that's how it ended up being. And uh, we thought the ending was perfect, 
because you kind of just um, see him going into the coffee shop. And we loved how he goes back in. Um, So he sees October. He's talking to her, says he's going out on a hike, goes to the truck, and then he has, like, this reflection of, oh, I did that wrong. Yes, and he goes back in and asks her. And so we love that ending. We thought um, it was perfect, Uh, just kind of leaving them where they're at for your mind to even explore uh, what's gonna what's gonna happen next? Yeah, so. and you know, I mean, I I felt like I was so proud of Joe, like throughout mm-hmm. the book, because I really did feel like um, I knew he had it in him, you know, like but uh-huh. even like when there were times yes. where I was so frustrated with him and just um, just like come on, get your head out of your ass. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. I also just I I had. I could see his sensitivity and I could feel it, you know, I was writing from his point of view. So, um, so I could really feel like his desire to be better and to, to like chase after what nourished his soul. And I wasn't really sure, you know, at, at, until the end of the book, whether he was going to do that or not. Yeah. Well, um, we thought it was a beautiful ending. Um, I didn't cry this time, but like my heart. <laughs> Oh, you had my heart in the Indian, and I loved it. <laughs> good. God shaped hole is just, I don't want to spoil it for any listeners, but the ending. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I know, I know. It's really, it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Um, but as I said, it was, it was really good. So <laughs> um, going back to Joe and kind of Cal's relationship, Cal is a great character. And I was truly shocked that he was October's boyfriend. Um, I love the way that you show Joe and Cal's friendship and the way it changed and evolved over the years. So um, that was a big, a big surprise um, <laughs> I moment. Cal, so much, and I'll tell you yes. something. Um, what's really, what, again, it was like sometimes magical things happen in books because I knew when I started the book. It, as a matter of fact, I thought it was the book was really going to be a story about Joe and Cal. I mm-hmm. had originally I had this idea that it was really going to be about two friends. Um, and then it, it evolved into a a relationship between October had became a much bigger role. But, um, so when I got to the scene, when I'll call it plot point one, Mm -hmm. (laughs) otherwise it would be a spoiler, even though we kind of just spoiled it. Um, I didn't know that was going to happen. I, until Joe saw him walking down the hallway, I didn't know who it was. And I, that was another like time where I just remember like running up to my husband and being like, you are not going to believe what just happened. Like it changed the whole story and it would have been a completely different book had that not been the case. Um, but I didn't even plan it. You know, it was just like, I knew that Joe and Cal's relationship was really important that it was going to play a huge role. But, um, until that happened, I had no idea what those roles were going to be. So that was cool. When he showed up on the scene, I didn't know whether to throw my book across the room (laughs) to jump up and be excited. Um, but it is really cool to see, especially their friendship. I know it's awkward for Joe. He's in the in-between place. Um, 
But I think it speaks a lot to how strong friendships can be and the power of forgiveness. And so um, that was, we, we love Cal. We love Joe. We love and Cal too. We so love their friendship. Yes. Yeah. You know, their friendship really moved me a lot. And, and like, particularly one of my favorite scenes in the book is um, the scene at the end where Cal um, shows up to Joe's apartment or the cabin um, because it really does show how much, um, how much he meant to him and how, how he really wanted to have him in his life. And so I think everyone needs a friend like that. You know, I play that role in certain people's lives where um, they would drop the ball and maybe never see me again. And and I have to be the one to be like, hey, come on, we love each other, remember? And yeah. um, and some and it's the reverse for other people in my life where sometimes they'll be like, you never call me. But the minute we get together, it's like no time had passed at all and we're just besties. So um, it was cool to see that and watch watch their um, relationship evolve. And, and, you know, really they were brothers in a way. That, yeah. That's the way they saw it. And um, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it, it was. It really was. Um, and it just speaks just, again, how strong friendships can be. Um, so going really quick, um, I know Joe ends up going to Montana. Do you have any kind of special connection with Montana at all? I do, actually. Um, my parents um, have a ranch in Montana. So I've been, oh, spent, cool. I have been going there. Um, I live in California, obviously, but I've been going there since I was 18 for holidays and what have you. So, um, so yeah, I, um, I love Montana. And when I was trying to figure out where Joe could go, I was like, Oh, you know, I thought about a bunch of places in the Pacific Northwest, but I knew I would have to research them and like, you know, spend some time there. And being that I have a, another job, you know, another full-time job, I didn't know how realistic it was going to be for me to get there quickly. So I was just like, I'm going to put him somewhere where I know someplace Mm -hmm. I know really well. And so that's why he ended up in Montana. (laughs) Well, I love that. Um, I have a really special connection with Montana as well as my Martana for, even for our listeners, they don't even know this. Um, but that's how my parents were inspired with my name. Really? Uh, Yes. They were married in Montana. My parents used to go twice a year, drive all the way from Oklahoma um, every fall and every spring. Um, and so my dad actually surprised, did the surprise proposal wedding in Montana. Oh, and, um, so my dad's name, what was that? Where in Montana? I don't know off the top of my (laughs) head. I should, we talked about it over during quarantine. We got out all the VCRs and are watching everything. Um, but my dad's name is Mark and obviously they got married in Montana. So my my parents kind of put those together. I so. love that story. <laughs> that is awesome. Yes. So um, it was a really special thing seeing Montana in your book as well. Because, um, of course, I love it out there. I've only been out there uh, uh, one or two times, but um, it it's beautiful. still really special to our family. It yes. Is a gorgeous, gorgeous state. Yes. Um, so anyway, moving on from that, um, thank you for sharing that. Um, see. So going back to Joe, we know he's seen a lot of growth throughout the book. 
Um, but what would you tell people like Joe who have had a difficult time taking chances, even when it led them to happiness? Oh, I mean, that's a tough, um, that's a tough question because I have known people like Joe, people who are super talented and either are afraid of, um, you know, afraid of failure or, you know, they just have experienced a lot of trauma in their life and they, they don't have, um, they don't know how to heal it enough to move forward. Um, and you know, there've been many times in my life in those situations where I've tried to get through to somebody and realized that there's really nothing you can say to somebody to give them that courage. They have to find it inside of themselves. But I will say that I do believe that much like October, that love can can help, can heal. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it has to be the right kind of love and, um, and, and someone coming from a place of pure, um, empathy for that person. Because I think a lot of times in situations like that, um, you just see the person's behavior and it's easy to judge them as you're making a big mistake or you're an idiot or whatever, but there's usually so much more going on. And I think just, um, instead of like giving someone advice, just giving them love and encouragement, um, to believe in themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully they can find that they can find the courage from there, but it's hard. I mean, I've seen people not be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, that was beautifully put. Um, so, um, one last question about Joe. I know we have so many questions, but he's just such a Oh, he's such a deep character. Um, so when you chose to write from Joe's perspective, was it hard with it being a male perspective? Well, writing? I originally was kind of like, uh, like it was a little bit daunting at first to take that mm-hmm. on. And I had re- had actually started the book in October's point of view. Um, mm-hmm. And like I was just saying, I, I realized very quickly um, given some of Joe's behaviors that if we were not standing in his shoes and seeing the world through his eyes, nobody was going to like him or understand him. They were just going to be like, what the hell are you doing? Um, so, so I, I decided to write from his point of view and I was so glad I did because I felt like I learned so much about humanity from being Joe for two, the two years that it took me to, to write this book. Um, and just learning to have empathy for where people come from and what happens to them and, and what mm-hmm. makes us who we are. Um, it, it just, it, yeah, it taught me a lot about how I see people now, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not quick to judge a person's behavior if it hurts me, um, mm-hmm. so quickly as maybe I was before Joe came into my life. <laughs> You know, um, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So one last question about the book and then I just have a few more after that, if that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, but the last question I want to ask about the book is what is the question you wish people asked about sorrow? Mm. If you can think about one, huh? What do I wish they asked about the book? 
why there weren't more, more sex scenes. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, yeah, I can't really think of anything. I'm surprised. I'll, I will say, though, that I am surprised that people don't ask more about the um, scene where they take mushrooms. <laughs> because it's, yes. such, it's such an ex- interesting and exciting scene. And I'm just, like, waiting for somebody to be like, is that based on anything from your life? <laughs> Well, if it is, feel free to share if you'd like. Uh, well, the funny thing about that is that um, I, well, it's this is sort of a long story, but I never did any drugs my entire life until I was about mm-hmm. thirty-five. Now, I've never smoked. I've never smoked pot. I'm just very. I was very boring growing up in in most of my young adult life. Um, but when I was thirty-five, I I felt like I was stuck and. Um, and I had all these rules, like I don't drink, I don't do any drugs, and I didn't eat meat back then. And I just felt like for a long time in my life, all those rules really um, served me well. But then I got to this point where I was having like this midlife crisis of sorts and felt like all these rules I had really held me back. And so I was like, no more rules. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a cheeseburger. I'm going to drink a beer and I'm going to start doing some drugs. And <laughs> the only drugs that I were, was really interested in were psychedelics. Uh-huh. Um, and so um, I ended up doing some therapist-guided um, medicine journeys with mushrooms and, um, and just was like, and it was one of the most profound experiences of my life. So when I was writing this book and I, I thought like this, it just sort of fit in. I made my husband take me to that place where they stay and we uh-huh. actually did mushrooms there and walked around the trees. Obviously we had very different experiences, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but it was fun. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, I will tell you, um, I thought that point in the book, it was exciting. It was exciting to see October and Joe just kind of relaxed because they were kind of like on and off at that point and mm-hmm. it kind of brings them together. Yeah. So it was an exciting part of the book. scenes, <laughs> And I love how you keep mentioning, like you've been to these places. Obviously you live in California and I read um, kind of in your author note at the end that you do live in Mill Valley. Is that correct? Correct. Um, so it's cool that to see Equator is a real place um, that all these redwoods are obviously real places, but is there anything else from the book that, um, is a real place that you've been to experience that you'd like to share? Um, well, the Pelican Inn where they go, where they hike to, um, the old British pub is, mm-hmm. is also real. Um, okay. there's a restaurant where Joe and, um, October go for their first date, which used yes. to be in Mill Valley. It, it has closed since closed, but it was the cutest, mm, loveliest restaurant in um, Mill Valley. So that is real. And a lot of the trees that, that they talk about are real, the ones with names. And, um, and also my favorite real thing in the book is Diego, who is my dog Dipsy in disguise. (laughs) I, I love that. I saw, I was looking through your Instagram and I noticed your dogs. I'm like, that's just like Diego. (laughs) So I, I love that. Um, they're so big. They're so big. <laughs> he particularly is 180 pounds and seven feet tall if he stands on his wow. hind legs. He's huge. Wow. 
but the that's sweetest, sweetest thing ever. Yes. Um, I am prone more to the bigger dogs. We don't have any pets, but I, I do think they're very cool, very cool animals. Yes. So yes. Yes. Um, well, we are so impressed with all the many different roles that you take on. Um, I think it's amazing that you're an author, writer, and director of a movie. Um, you're running your own record label and a founder, sorry, of Shine Maker Foundation. Um, we think that's just amazing that you're able to do all those incredible things, but is there one job that is your favorite? If you'd like to answer. Definitely writing. I mean, I am a writer at heart and my favorite way to spend my day is, um, playing with my imaginary friends. You know, I, I am a bit of an introvert too. So, um, so that's a, an ideal job for me, but I will say that, um, you know, I was a full-time writer for 10 years before I started the record label. And, um, one, so I, I went from basically writing by myself and being by myself for 12 hours a day, um, to working in an office with, um, coworkers. And that was a, such a pleasant surprise of how much I enjoyed, um, working with, um, with people every day and, you know, talking to real people instead of imaginary people. Um, so I do really love that. And I have a really amazing team that I work with at Bright Antenna. Um, although I haven't been in the office with them since March. Um, but you know, we get to see each other on zoom a lot. Um, but writing is like where my where my heart is. And, and I think it's the the thing I'm probably best at. Okay. Well, that's, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, and one last one, this is a fun one. If you don't want to answer, you don't have to, but we noticed that the movie that you worked with had Jennifer Aniston in it. <laughs> yes, it did. And so the movie that you wrote directed, um, that had Jennifer Aniston in it. Is there anything that you can share about your experience with working with her? Um, God, I mean, it was so <laughs> long ago. Um, we were both very, very young. Um, I was 24, I think when we made that film and she was maybe 25 or 26 at the time. And it was just, it was right before she had, she'd already um, filmed the first season of friends, but it hadn't come out yet or it hadn't exploded at that point. So, um, so I mean, I can't really think of anything when we were making the film, but it was interesting how she got in the movie because I had a friend, I had finished writing the screenplay and I had a friend who was an actress and she was like, um, I lived in LA at the time and, Mm -hmm. and she was like, Oh, let me invite some of my friends over and we'll just, you know, sit around a table and read the script out loud so you can hear, you know, how things sound. And, um, and one of the people that she invited over that night was Jennifer and, um, and Jennifer read that part that she plays in the Mm -hmm. film. And she was so funny and so good at it that I said to her, if I ever get this movie made, I'm going to call you and you have to play this part. And so, um, I did. And she said, yes. So that was really cool. Wow. That's, that's so awesome. Yeah. Um, so kind of speaking to that with your kind of writing screenplays and things like that, is there one that comes more natural to you writing screenplays or writing novels? Definitely writing novels. Um, I've been love working in Hollywood and, um, screenplays are fun to write, but I don't think like for me, it's, 
I, I like to be able to describe more and um, kind of delve deeper into characters. And I think it's much easier to do that when you're writing novels. So that's, that's definitely um, where I see myself staying in that genre. Okay. Well, um, we have absolutely loved having you on the podcast. Um, We love that you're an introvert like us. You belong (laughs) in the social anti-social book club. Yes, I do. Um, Is there any last words for our listeners about your book, Sorrow, that you would like to share before we end? Just that um, if you like, um, if you care about art and love and, um, and you believe in your dreams or you need courage to chase your dreams, this is the book for you. Okay, perfect. I totally agree. Um, as we said, we absolutely are obsessed with this book. Yay, um, tell we love it. <laughs> absolutely. Um, we're definitely going to really, really share this with, um, with our, with our group. And, um, we hope that it's a success because obviously this, this truly is some amazing work and thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us. Thank you so Um, much. You are delightful. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. If you're ever in Tulsa, let us know. I will be there as soon as it's free to travel. I will yes, definitely be absolutely. Back there. <laughs> well, again, Tiffany, thank you so much. This has been true. This is our first author interview. Oh, so awesome. thank you so you did much. A great job. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm so nervous. <laughs> oh my God. I couldn't tell at all. You seem so poised and perfect. Oh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, again, thank you so much. Um, I just can't tell you how much to thank you. Um, this really has been a great experience and I really enjoyed getting to know you better and getting just to know the background of sorrow better. And I'm really, as I said, I'm really, um, excited to share this with our listeners. Well, thank you again so much and have a great rest of your week. And if you ever get out to Northern California, look me up and I will show you the redwoods. I definitely will. <laughs> All right. Okay. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on the Antisocial Book Club podcast. This podcast is hosted by Kelsey Krubitzer and Martana Carter with producer Jamal Carter. Please follow us on Instagram at Antisocial Book Club Podcast or find us on our website at antisocialbookclubpod.com.